right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Bald to Bald podcast with TJ Jones and Shane Taggart here. As you can tell by our backgrounds, we are just supporting a lot of lacrosse today, you know, from the weekend, looking forward ahead of what we have coming up. Uh, I'm repping with Scott Van Pelt, Maryland Terrapins again, national champions, the perfect season, might be the best team of all time. TJ's rocking, you know, our one of our best friends, Anthony Jokum. NLL championship, you know, on the horizon for him. First game coming up Saturday. We got a lot to break down today. But T, I want to kick it over to you to start us off. It's the the best weekend for college lacrosse, Memorial Day weekend tradition, you know, with it being played on Sunday and starting off on Saturday, thought it was a tough look with the weather delays playing a huge factor. Yeah, it was tough to see it. And we talked about this you know, a couple times over the weekend, but, you know, when it's, when we're anchoring, when the NCAA and, you know, whoever's controlling men's lacrosse for the NCAA wants to anchor these events to Memorial Day weekend, you put yourself in a bind a little bit. So um, the, the weather was obviously not a good look. You know, you have a, I don't know, was it an hour, two hour rain delay for the first game? Like it was, it was just terrible. Three and a half of the second, which. Yeah. So, so when you think about that, like you're going into a Saturday Memorial Day weekend, a lot of the casual fans aren't sitting around on a Saturday night for Memorial Day weekend to watch across. You know, we were, you know, I was, I was anxiously waiting. I was playing cornhole in between games, but it's, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to see the casual fan, like still tuning into these games after the rain delays. And then on top of that, you've got a team like Cornell who was just I already went through a rain delay this in the previous yeah. NCAA tournament games. So they were an experienced team and they were already blown out Rutgers. So, you know, I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah, that game was, I mean, it was really cool seeing Colin and CJ get to play against each other. Um, obviously, CJ got the better hand, which was, you know, great to see. I think he's made his name as probably the best freshman in college, freshman in college across. But hey, you got you play the cards you're dealt. Um, I thought Rutgers looked super, not like I mean both teams was their first time on the big stage, but Cornell just looked like so much more prepared. They were you know they knew where to shoot. They they just seemed like and they dominated the X too. So I thought that was also huge. Getting steady possession after possession. Their attack was on fire. Um, I think they had thirteen of the goals which was, you know, kind of just their MO all year, showing why they're the best attack in the country. And really just, you know, hey, Rutgers, thanks for coming out. Thanks for, you know, taking that next step into it. It's an elite group. Um, but overall, I just think it's Cornell really showed why they deserve to be there on, on Monday. And then, you know, we have a huge delay again for the Princeton-Maryland um, game, which clearly we saw the effects of that in the – championship game for Maryland where they just looked gassed in the fourth quarter um but I just thought looking at that Princeton game it was like Maryland was always just there and then Princeton was like hey we're still here and then Maryland's like all right well we have 12 All-Americans so we're just gonna score another goal here so I don't know I don't know what your thoughts were but I would say the because you know Saturday was almost a week ago now I thought the field looked phenomenal the atmosphere like like the grass was great Lacrosse should be played on grass. I'm a believer of that. Oh, 100%. And Maryland's helmets, when they wear all black, are just – those helmets are tough. Yeah, tough going s- straight into the uniform combo, you know, what we said last week was if Princeton rolls out those dusty-ass helmets again, they're going to lose. 
And what happened? They got their ass. Okay. I thought, you know, we're, we, I wasn't surprised that Princeton was able to hold a game with them. We took them at plus six and a half. Like, I, I, I think the line might have went up to seven and a half in some books. It was going up and down. Um, yeah. But that's just too much to give on a, on a semifinal game in the NCAA tournament. Um, Especially when it was a five-goal game the first time, too. Exactly. It was a close game the entire way. So, I mean, I, I'm not surprised at the outcome. Um, I thought Maryland did what they needed to do to take care of business. I think an underrated thing, and we'll get to it in the championship game, I'll probably mention it then, too. Um, Logan McEnany for Maryland just stood on his head this entire NCAA tournament, and that's a huge reason why they are where they are. I think he plays in front of a fortress on defense, and, and you know, it, it is what it is. When you're Maryland, you're going to get the best defensive recruits in the country. You're coached really well, and you're going to have a good defense. So as a goalie, it just makes it easier. But for him to have 17 saves, 17 saves, 19 saves, like 70% save percentage in every game, you know, that's a winning recipe. You're never going to get beat um, when, when that stuff is going on. I thought the, the funny thing that you mentioned that kind of just automatically, like now we're in the Monday's game, like right. Cornell – shooting the ball that was and like i'm not an attackman by any means but like you gotta make him make a save like a lot of those shots were just kind of like sticks like right off his hip you know they shot low a ton which i thought he clearly established like you're not gonna beat me low like when kerr scored the first goal like that trickled in like near side pipe like he was almost there and you know that took a while to get get the scoring going um but I think, you know, McEnany, if he plays a little bit lesser or Cornell shoots better, that might be overtime and we might be having a totally different podcast. Um, but I, I would, you know, kind of make the, the starting point here. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, Maryland, the best team of all time. You know, this group, even with the COVID season at 20, that 2020 year getting cut short, they're 38 and two in two and a half years of lacrosse with a total loss of two goals. like. They're, they're two shots away from being 40 and 0 and back to back national champs. Like that, it's kind of unheard of in today's sports. It's, it's just wild to think about. And it's in, it's like really kudos to John Tillman and the way he's built that program. Like, I feel like we've, you know, Maryland lacrosse isn't like this hot and up and coming program, um, but they had a, it took them a while to get to this stage consistently. And I feel like he's really dedicated himself to, you know, bettering the team. And also being a little bit unorthodox, I talked to our, our guy, Mike Restivo, and a couple other coaches, and their, their practices are way different compared to, compared to a normal NCAA or college Division I team. You know, there's a lot of focus on film. There's a lot of focus on situational work. There's not a lot of, you know, we're going to strap up 1v1, 6v6, three-on-three fast breaks all day. Because those guys you can know, do it. They, yeah, they exactly. They know how to do it. So just the fact that he now knows not only how to better his team, but also how to prepare his team for the best situations, you know, that again, winning recipe. And it's a reason why they're going to be, why they're on the top right now, why they go to three seasons losing two games and, you know, they're not, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. I think the, you know, they go up, you know, it's like seven, two, it's, it's nine, three, and you just kind of see, like, all right, we have, like, you can just tell, like, all right, we've been here before. We have transfers that have played 80 lacrosse games a year. Like, DeMeo puts up four goals. And I, I think the craziest part is, like, this whole team, like, the defense, 
they like they just shut down that attack. I mean, Piatelli, I bet he wishes he could have this game back. I think Michael Long wishes he could have that game back. And, you know, the face-offs, they were probably as close as they were going to get. Like, shout-out to Weirman for really re- – not re- even redeeming himself, but kind of really stamping on a great year by him. Um, but that Maryland defense is just incredible. Like, Cornell couldn't get – they were just taking like every shot was like quote unquote outside the hash and Cornell's working for every single goal. And I think the other main thing that I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, just because there's been so many, so many talented lacrosse players recently is Logan Wisnowskis might be the most just quiet best player in the last 10 years. Like think about it 10 years ago, Social media is really up and coming. Like, you know, you, like you're YouTubing highlights. You're like, there's really barely any Instagram. There's no Instagram videos. And you just know like, oh, like the best player on each team. That's the only guy you really know. Like, Wisnowski mm-hmm. had a quiet number one pick in the draft. Led the country in points. Probably going to win the Tawaraton now. Right. Maryland's all-time point scorer now. And really, you don't. I don't even know what the kid sounds like. Never heard him talk. Never heard him interviewed. And he's just like, all right, like we're just gonna go win another game. Like it's it's incredible. I think that's I think that's a testament more to like what this Maryland roster looks like right now. Right. Like you talked about it. They have transfers all over the field who are proven, you know, winners and proven at the top in the highest level of the game. You know, so yeah, he's I mean, he had 103 points on the year. He's wearing the number one for Maryland. So, you know, he's the best player. He's the best offensive player on the team. And, you know, he has a quiet two and two in the championship game. And DeMeo has four and one. And we're talking about Anthony DeMeo more than we're talking about Logan Wisnowskis. And again, like you mentioned, yeah. Wisnowskis is going to win the national or the uh, Tauraton. He's going to make an impact on the next level. First overall pick in the, in the PLL draft. Um, I, I think you're right. I think for somebody who's probably the, you know, undisputed Torton or best player in the league this year. It's, it's amazing how much we don't talk, how much we don't hear about him. Yeah. And even, you know, to that point, like this Maryland team, they, they almost lost this game. Like there was a stretch in that four. They didn't score for the last 29 minutes of the game. So like, you know, we're, we're out here pumping this offense up 18 goals a game, best faceoff guy in the country. And, you know, their defense really kept them in it, but, it was fail clear after fail clear after fail clear and Cornell like popcorn shot, popcorn shot turnover. And, you know, I think it really showed the, even the coaching matchup where you can tell Maryland is gasped. And I think it's, a, I think it's around the four minute mark in the fourth quarter and Busick just calls a timeout and it gives Maryland kind of like their legs again. Like Cornell was in transition. Like I think they should go cut the lead to th- I think it would have been two or three, maybe when a face off, but Maryland had no timeouts. Right. So you're dictating tempo. And then at the end, music calls the timeout. They score so fast off that set play for Piatelli. Now it's like, all right, two goal game, 30 seconds left. Like they could maybe do this. And, you know, it's like, Hey, you wish you probably had that first timeout back right. or you could maybe get in the ride, but. You know, th- this game, I, I think it was a, a good weekend for college lacrosse. I thought the women's games were banana land. Um, 
We should Shout we should talk about that a little more, Shane, because I know yeah. I know you were watching it, and I was definitely watching. It. You know, I have a younger sister who plays across. Both my younger sisters played lacrosse in high school. One of them is still in high school on her way to on her way to Old Dominion right now. Um, but I was I was talking about it, you know, with a couple of other people, and you know, those women's games were better than the men's games, flat out. They no were awesome. Asked. They were they were incredible, absolutely incredible. We talk about Maryland's undefeated season. We had. North Carolina women's team led by Ali Mastriani, Bridgewater, New Jersey, grow the brand, grow the Shout brand. out to Jersey. Shout um, out to Jersey. We have, we have an undefeated North Carolina team down eight goals. I think it was seven. against seven goals against um, Northwestern. Yep. Northwestern. Okay. And they just, they just go on an, an historical run to save an under an undefeated season. And for some reason, I feel that, you know, the game, the women's game is way more technical than the men's game. Obviously with no contact, it's a little different, but it's, it's amazing to see how, you know, exciting it really is and seeing their raw motion. I think it might be some, maybe it's because we have to wear helmets and men's and they just have to wear the, uh, the goggles so you can really see the emotion on their faces, but that was an incredible run. Um, yeah, and I- then you've got, you've got Boston college in the other game with Charlotte North, who's a transcendent player for lacrosse period not just not just for women's but for lacrosse period you could see how she's changed the game on the women's side and then you go into the national championship game and that's the that's the headline like you look at maryland princeton everybody knows maryland's gonna win the men's game but you have the defending national champs in bc and charlotte north going up against an undefeated unc team like those are those are incredible storylines and i love to see you know the women's game grow a little bit because i think it is really exciting and I think there are things that if you're a lacrosse fan, you're going to like both. Um, so that was awesome to see, too. Yeah, I thought the kind of the best part was both teams came back to win. And that UNC comeback was just insane. It's like they were they would win every draw control. And then it was just ISO ball by, similar to the men's game, like a transfer from UNC. Sam, uh, I, I'm blanking on her name. I, I apologize, Miss. But, you know, she, she took over the fourth quarter and – you know, they UNC pulls their goalie during that run. They put her back in, and she makes the key save with seven seconds to go, one-on-one. Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, that's such a big-time save. That was an incredible save. Championship type of save. And then the atmosphere. Like, Homewood was packed top to bottom, standing room only. I also love that UNC – or that BC's team – I purposely don't know why they wear the neon, but I think it's so cool that behind the bench, like it's not just maroon. You just have a sea of neon green yeah. and like the Carolina blue is such a great color. And just seeing a full stadium really wanting to be there was so cool. Like, like the men's. Yeah. Like UConn, it looked like, you know, the bottom level is great. Like you'd hear like the, the alumni chanting, but like mm-hmm. the top levels, like spotty, the end zones are spotty. Like, two sides on each of the fields, like just play it like that and sell it out and make it unbelievable. But you know, those women's games were, and I coached women's lacrosse and like, it's mm-hmm. once you know the rules, it's a good, it's a really fun sport to watch. Absolutely. And, I hope it, uh, and I hope it grows, but you know, as we kind of shift towards the, the PLL, which I'm super pumped about now that you can pretty much anyone can really watch these games now on ESPN and ESPN plus. Um, yeah even though ESPN plus keeps raising their prices, but you know, if you're, if you like the UFC and, and lacrosse, it's worth it. Like myself. You can thank um, Joe Biden for that inflation. Yeah. 
the uh, the best part is like, yo, these like six guys from Maryland got drafted. Like, you guys are gonna play on Saturday. Like, quick yeah. turnaround. Like, so enjoy your college like little break. But you're just thrown right back into the league, and it, it's pretty cool that it just it picks right back up here. So we don't have to worry about this lull. The sport's hot, and it kind of starts. The first game of the year is a rematch of the championship last year with the Whipsnates and the Chaos, um, which is pretty much the University of Maryland versus Team Canada. Well, it's the, it's the Canadian offense, not just Team Canada, but I get what you're saying. I think, you know, with it, it's great to, to your point about the scheduling and how um, how the how the PLL has just been so much better than the way the MLL was run. You've got, you know, as a, as a lacrosse player, you look at Paul Rabel and it's like, oh, yeah, Paul Rabel, poster boy, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. But he has done an incredible job with his brother to grow this game and also run it correctly from a business perspective. They have great investors. They have great a great business model. They've gone out and done what they needed to do to get the game in front of people um, on Saturdays, on Sundays. Their deal with NBC last year was great. You had a lot of games on NBC, Channel 4 in some places, Channel 10 in other places, Channel 6 in other places, whatever it is. You know, having, you know, having it on those, those prime channels, what are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get the PLO background. <laughs> so, like I'm saying, to get it, to get it on these stages is great. Um, you, you had a little hiccup with NBC, NBC sports is no longer a thing. Peacock was a little bit of a, of a hard streaming service. It's not really meant for sports in my opinion. Um, but they, they pivot, they go to ESPN, they get a deal with ESPN. Now you have games on ESPN. You have every game streamed on ESPN plus, and you also have a pretty wide net of customers that already have ESPN plus. So you're going to, you're going to get, you might get that casual fan more often than you did when you were streaming games on Peacock or NBC sports gold. Like those aren't, those aren't big, uh, those aren't big customer bases. And the game times are perfect too, because they're in the afternoon. So like, if you're just hanging out around the house, you know, you throw it on the background and you know, you may pick up a new fan or two, but if you're going to try and compete with the Stanley cup playoffs at night, or even, you know, which a lot of lacrosse fans are hockey fans too, and vice versa. Like they're going to pick the Stanley cup. They're going to pick the NBA finals over that. So keeping it in that Saturday, Sunday afternoon, um, you know, unless there's like a really big golf major on the Sunday games are a nice way to kind of end the weekend, especially um, when they're traveling too. So they're going to be up at Albany, um, you know, this weekend. And, you know, like I said, with it being the rematch of the previous championship game, these guys have been scrimmaging all week. Um, You know, they just had the final rosters come out. You know, if you're listening to this today, um, they were yesterday or even the day before, uh, depending on how our tech team can edit this. I know uh, they're working hard, but <laughs> the, you know, kind of the beauty of what the PLLs will be able to do is, you know, there's only eight teams. Like you're going to see these teams a lot. And, you know, even starting it off first with the, you know, the whips and and the chaos, my immediate thought is, how do the whip snakes kind of bounce back from, you know, losing that championship last year, they were on their way to a three peat. Um, and, you know, how do the chaos kind of keep that really cliche, like championship hunger? Like, you know, like you just won it last year. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm just scrolling through the rosters right now. And one thing I will say about the PLL being run better, we need updated rosters on the website immediately. And I want to be able to scroll through the rosters. Yeah. Like I'm doing it on Instagram right now and that's totally fine. 
Um, but like just just looking at the rosters right now, I was scrolling through earlier today, and I just it's hard to pick a team that like you don't think is going to compete. Like I like I if I was scrolling through all these teams, I my first gut feeling was you know Chrome looks really good compared to prior years. Um, Water Dogs look like they can be a great team compared to prior years, and then. I'm looking at archers and I'm like, oh, wow, they seem to have lost a, a lot of guys to retirement. I don't know how some of these guys are going to play together. Um, but then you have Tom Schreiber, who's like Tom Schreiber could be better than Paul Rabel, if not the best player in the in, you know, in the yeah. history of lacrosse. And they they on the, in their scrimmage, they beat up on um, who did they beat up on? I want to say they might have beat up on Chrome. So it's it's amazing to see the ability to, you know, to have a a great talent pool to the point where it's so exclusive that every team is good and you have a lot of parity. Like the it's chaos, a, like you said, coming off a national champ or coming off a championship last year, chaos was, I think they were like a 500 team and they just squeaked into the playoffs they were, and, and they, they won were, it all. Yeah. They were four and five last year with a minus nine score differential. And even the whip snakes were five and four, like the water dogs came out hot. The Atlas came out hot, the archers, redwoods. And I think perfectly the transition that you made of like guys getting cut and not knowing how they're going to play. You may be seeing that turnover for, we had an older roster that could carry us. All right. These guys retire. Here come the new young guys who are, who are going to be better. Like they've been, right. think about it. these guys just played since January, pretty much every day for all these rookies coming in there. And then you have a whole fall ahead of that too. And I know there's guys in the PLL that play, you know, in the NLL, which might be missing out this weekend. But mm -hmm. when I just, when I kind of look at the rosters here of like, even the, even the whip snakes to start, like they have a young, like you have Zed Williams coming back. You have Rambo back, um, Connor curse, and you know, you have Gutterdeen. and you know, you have the whole Maryland class of 2018 and below defense with young, and Moeller and Matt Dunn and you have Nardella at the faceoff X. Like they have a bunch of names that, you know, and you know, even if you have a guy like Chanichuk, who's 32, you have Brian Phipps, who's 34. And you know, those guys, how many more years do they have left? But then you look at the chaos and it's like, Oh yeah, they have Mac O'Keefe who shoots the shit out of the ball. They have Troy Ray in transition. You got guys like Josh Byrne, who is a stud, still coming back. You got Matt Reese, stud LSM. Kyle Jackson, Ian McKay plays LSM for them. Like Tanner, like they have a bunch of names too. So I think this is going to be a matchup where we might be seeing a rematch in the championship game, just because these teams are so skilled and have mm -hmm. been there and have been you know pretty dominant as of late. Yeah, and I think what's great about the PLL and definitely plays in Cass's advantage. Um, if you didn't see, the, they're changing the rules a little bit to start the season. They moved in the two-point arc one yard, and they've also shortened the field a little bit. So these, you know, chaos was known as the bomb squad last year, and you're going to see it fly on Saturday. You got guys yeah. like Newman. You got guys like Reese. You know, Mac O'Keefe can stretch the field as far as it can go. You know, it's going to be a great matchup there. But then you also, you go to the Whip Snakes and they have the same kind of talent where they can stretch the field. They've got Michael Earhart. Um, Chan and Chuck is a, a slinger a from deep. 
like these and then all these poles can get out and fly and all as long as you have some strength behind your pole you like as a goalie that shit's hard to save man so you know i i'm looking forward to to the first game with whip snakes and chaos i think it's going to be a good one the line looking at DraftKings, the line is whip snakes minus one and a half all, yeah. all the lines are all are really really close um it's tough, outside dude. of it's archers every- and chrome but i think i gotta take whip snakes Every team, like there's, there's been like a couple major blowouts throughout the year where, you know, you and I both know if you're down by like six going into the fourth quarter, it's like, all right, how many possessions are we going to get? Like, it's tough. You get down like nine, mail it in, bring in the reserves. If I had a lean away, I'm taking the whip snakes minus one and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think, you know, when it comes down to it and we're just talking about Maryland, like that is the Maryland (laughs) alumni team. (laughs) So like, you, you gotta, you gotta think they're going to be good. And, and, you know, chaos, you know, it's, it's a, like we talked about a Canadian offense. So they're going to have, I think there'll be some growing pains getting used to each other again. So we'll see how that game goes. Yeah. The, uh, and then, you know, the game following that at 5 PM. So, you know, you're kind of sitting on the couch, you're deciding, am I going to go out tonight or am I going to barbecue tonight or am I going to stay in? You get 5 PM and you get the Redwoods versus the Atlas, um, which I think, you know, is all, I mean, all, all these games, I don't, cause I don't want to sound like, a de- like we're beating a dead horse. They're all going to be good games just because it's, it's week one. And yeah. these rosters just got decided. You got to get some chemistry going, you know, February lacrosse in the college games, always ugly. And I can imagine week one might be ugly as well, but there's going to be a ton of guys where, you know, for the Redwoods, at least, you know, they have a solid goalie in Troutner. Um, I think their midfield is, it's like a video game. You have Jules Henenberg, you have Berkovic, <laughs> Miles Jones, you know, you have Matt Cavanaugh down on the tack, um, you know, Sergio Perkovic. And like the names just go on and on and on. And, you know, they have a good face-off guy in Erlen. They have freaking, you know, they got Rob Pinnell. And you just hear those names. You got a bunch of Notre Dame defensemen and Notre Dame's kind of like Maryland and Notre Dame are those two defensive teams you always think of. Absolutely. So, you know, I think the Redwoods are going to be a very dangerous team. They've, they've gotten kind of knocked out of the playoffs as of late um, in some tough games. And then you kind of shift over towards the Atlas where what's this team going to be? Because mm-hmm. they have some, you know, you have Docs Aiken, you got Daniel Beccaro, you, you got the big names in Romar Dennis. And defensively, Tucker Durkin's starting to get up there in age. Cade Van Rapphorst is a young stud. Costa Beal is probably one of the best two-way midfielders in the game. You got Rex Road, who's a great cover guy, and John Crowley. Now, I don't know if Crowley just retired because he's going to be at Hopkins, but I think he's still playing. So this game doesn't – I don't think it's the main draw that I like, but I just think the Redwoods have a better roster top to bottom. I agree. I think I think an underrated ad for the Redwoods is the young guys that they have coming in from college. Like you put Mitch Bartolo with Rob Pinnell, like that's a great matchup. But Mitch Bartolo can stretch the field. He's a two point. He's a two point threat. And then yeah. you've also got Anthony DeMeo, who just came off of a four goal game in the national championship. Grant, you don't know how much these guys are going to play coming off of Memorial Day weekend. They, right might, the next they week. might not even have practiced if they, they just put well, them. I don't think they had it at all. Or maybe they just flew them right out. Or I would and I mean, if I was if I was Anthony DeMeo and I just won on Monday, I'd probably have gotten 
absurdly drunk Tuesday and maybe Wednesday. And then I don't know when camp started. It might have been Wednesday or Thursday. This, so he's definitely hung over. So, you know, yeah. who knows what Anthony DeMeo we're going to see this weekend. But regardless of that, you know, those are good additions. And I agree with you. Like the roster for the Redwoods right now is better than the roster from the Atlas right now. And I think yeah. it's going to take some time for the Atlas guys to get used to each other. There are a lot of big names, but there's, I don't see a guy on the, on the Atlas. That's like, all right, get him the ball and he's going to score a goal. Like Romar Dennis is good, but he's Jeff like an outside jump shooter. I got Jeff T. Well, Je- yeah, Jeff T's great, but he's like a, he's like a phenom in box in the NLL. I don't, I don't, I, I don't see him being like, I know he's good. I it might be underplaying him a little bit, but I just don't think he's the guy you're like number one guy. It's one guy going against a, a, a court. And I think this is where like the age comes into a benefit. Like these guys have played defense with each other for so long and right. they know when to slide. They know when they're not going to slide. They're probably not even going to slide a lot of the times. So I think, you know, I think you hammer the Redwoods plus one and a half. Oh, yeah. And I might do three picks on this. I might money line Ooh. Redwoods plus 105 Ooh. right now. And I think you got to bet the over on every game. Every game you got to take the over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because these goalies, I mean, they, they haven't seen, except eh, maybe that chaos game because Blaze is that good in the net. Um, I've been Redwoods across the board, one and a half, over 24 and a half, and 105. Think about it. You know, 24, 24 goals in a college game or in a pro game. Each team scores 12, like a couple two-pointers here and there. Maybe a garbage goal or a man up. Like, it's week one. Anything can happen. Um, yeah, it goes It goes both ways, though. Like, I feel like the offensive chemistry might not be there either. So, it'll be interesting to see. I am it, – it is really interesting, and I'm glad you brought it up. It's interesting that the over-unders are practically the same as a college game given that the field is shorter and you have a two-point arc on top of the fact that the talent pool is that much better. I, I mean, this will be interesting. I would have also said it's funny when you look at, like, the end of a college season and we're like, all right, Wisnowski well, just had, you know, 100 points. And, like, last year, like, Grant, Grant Ahmed had – I think it was, like, 36, like, led the league. And, like, yeah, it's way less games. Right. But, like, you hear, like, oh, he had 20 goals this year. Like, all right, well, is that guy in college at 50-something. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> such, it's such, like, a weird – drop off because you're like oh that guy in college basketball averaged like 18 at you know ucla and then in the nba it's like oh no he's averaging 28 a game now like yeah. it's it's, like, it's almost like a reverse comparison because yeah, that's how point. tight the lacrosse world is with this talent and like you can't wait like, we're not throwing around 100 grand you know five hundred thousand dollar contracts like yeah exactly that leads us into sunday uh 1 p.m Water Dogs versus the Cannons, you know, the two are the two newer expansion teams. Um, you know, the Water Dogs last year started out slow, ended up being the top seed, you know, finishing six and three. Um, as well as and you know, the Cannons kind of had the reverse role. You know, they they were three and six, a little tough to start. Um, I think the main storyline you got to think of with the Water Dogs is it's gonna be the Michael Sauer show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know let him kind of quarterback that offense. It's, you know, Kieran McCardle's a little bit older now, you know, he's over, he's at the 30, he's at the 30 year old Mark. Um, you know, how much is he going to really be involved? And, you know, I think they have one of the best midfielders in Mikey Schlosser, um, who's a, who's a dog 
Michigan man. You know, guys like Ben McIntosh, they had Zach Courier, Ethan Walker. Like, you start naming these names, and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's a stud. That guy's a stud. That guy's a stud. Um, but I think, you know, when, when you're – Ben Reeves, like, guy with wartime, and he's not even the first guy you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just a – I think that's just a product of the PLL like we're talking about. Like, the best guys are playing in this league, and it's exclusively the best guys. You're not getting yeah. random guys off the bench. You're not getting random guys from their beer league and their D3 and D2 teams. This is the pinnacle of the sport, and it, I'm glad it is that way. I'm, I'm looking at these rosters, and my first hunch, like I was talking about earlier, was, oh, this Water Dogs team is legit. Like, I like, I like seeing Conrad. I love the way Conrad plays. I, I mean, Michael Sowers is, is legit, obviously. Ryan Brown is a step-down sure two-point threat. You know, you look at the goalie position for Water Dogs. DeLuca was great at Delaware. So was Stover. But I don't know how proven those guys are on the PLL level. I don't think they're yeah. the best at the, their position at the, in this league. But they're still good. Um, but, I mean, if you look at the Cannons, I mean, I, I miss seeing Lyle Thompson in this league when it first started and I've looked forward to watching him every single weekend because he is electric and he is one of the reasons that lacrosse is so big right now and it's growing at such a pace is because of his time at Albany and we're now seeing the the optimization of his talent in the PLL with the better business model and the better marketing and etc cetera, etc cetera. like looking at the cannons you got Lyle Thompson I love Stephen Rafus out of Syracuse loved him loved him at Syracuse love him here um, you got Charlem Beatties. You got Asher Nolting, Jake Fercaro, insider insider news. I thought he was retiring, but I guess he's back again this year. Um, yeah, Ryan Drenner is a baller. Like these, this these teams are great. Um, I I like Cannons in this matchup, and I think I'm trying to pick a favorite team. Our boy Eric Scott retired from the chaos last former, year, so I don't think chaos, I'm going to be a chaos former. fan moving forward. But the Cannons are one of my front. I get, I could see you being a cannons guy. Um, you know, I'm still trying to pick my favorite team. You can't be a front runner in this league. Um, something to be interesting about though. And I wanted to talk about this after, but I think I could bring it up now. The way these rosters are, are constructed is very interesting across the board. I'll finish this game really quick. Um, just looking at the cannons, like you mentioned, um, you know, who's going to start in net. Colin Kirst or Nick Morocco, that's going to be a good battle. But then, you know, Lyle Thompson, and then you just named a bunch of stud midfielders that can all shoot on the run. They can all shoot. They can stretch the field. I think I'm going to go with the – I think I'm going to be a dog this weekend. Okay. I think I'm going to be a water dog. Dogs minus one and a half. I'm going to go dogs minus one and a half. Um, Okay. But, you know, shout out to Brody Merrill for making the roster for the Cannons at age 40. Like, that's – We got T-Ray. T-Ray's trying to get back in shape. And then every other, every other you know, weekend he's got too much cheeseburgers and he's like, all right, I can't, I can't play anymore. And Bro, I think Brody Merrill – didn't he play with Brody Merrill? Like, yeah. Brody Merrill's like, still killing it. Good for him. He, he coaches Brody Merrill on the Canadian team and they're like the same age. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> well, that's like in the college game. DeMeo's 25 and Connor Busick's 28. That's that's, that's a mind prep thing. But yeah. that's that's gonna lead us to the final to the nightcap 
Uh, it's going to be 345 Eastern time. You know, you might be taking a nap on the couch. Um, it's still light out. The Sunday scaries haven't hit yet. And we have the Chrome versus the Archers, which clearly the Chrome have the biggest, um, I would say, thing to prove in the lead this year. They've been pretty not impressive over the past two seasons. You know, I say that as a guy that um, got benched senior year, so no disrespect <laughs> to anybody playing. Um but when you look at this Chrome roster and having to put it, pull it up on Instagram kind of sucks, but they you know, the main, the main name with the Chrome is you got Dylan, Dylan Malloy back in the league. You got Nick turn Wisnowskis, Heacock, Brendan Kavanaugh and Jackson Morrell at attack the midfield, maybe a little aged, but you can tell like, you know, they lose Jordan Wolf this year to retirement, but the defense Nick, Nick Grill, JT Giles Harris, and Jesse Bernhardt are my three. I mean, I think the three of them are going to start, or maybe even Mike Manley gets some, gets some tick. But they went with four defensive midfielders, one LSM. So maybe some guys are doing double duty, and they only went with one faceoff guy. So like if, if Connor Farrell isn't doing well, you just got to put a pull there. And then they might have, you know, Owen McElroy – starting and goal for them. So this team is, I think, really all over the place, top to bottom. Yeah, I think they're a young team, but this is this is my other front runner team. Like I real when I was looking at this roster, I really like this roster. Really? Owen McElroy, we'll see how he does. He was playing with a broken thumb this year, which is just insane to think about. I me a goalie, I've never broken any bones in my body, knocked on wood. But you can't you can't sit out as a goalie in this league because you can't. You really you can't. can't there's um you can't sit so out in this got, league. You have to play no matter what. Right. And you got, so you got Owen McElroy in net. I think he's good. I think he can be good. Sean Sonone is underrated. I think he's a great goalie too. Connor Farrell I, I, with Joe Nardella is probably the one, two, like best face-off guys in the league. Um, but I like, I like Nick Turns game. I like Logan Wisnowski's again, underrated player. Dylan Malloy's back in the league. Colin Heacock tore us to shreds against when yeah. we played him our senior year. Um, the, the midfield, I think, is a little underrated. Cole Williams is pretty good. Jordan McIntosh is great. Um, John Rannigan getting up there in age. Um, but, you know, I, I think this team is young, but they have a lot to prove. And I think, I think they could be an underdog. I think they could be a dark horse in the league. But And then I feel like they are going against probably the toughest matchup with the Archers. Yep. I mean, the show a lot of hype for that team. And they're they're the only – this is the only game where the Archers are minus two and a half. Everything else is one and a half. Archer two and a half point favorites. I think this Archers team is going to just put up points. Look at the way that they're built. You have now a man, a men's out this week. So kind of sucks for the young fans that like him, you know, all the Penn state homers out there, but top to bottom, that team, you know, Matt Moore, Will Manny, Trey LeClaire, Trey LeClaire and Holman. You throw Matt in there. That's a pretty top to bottom, really sound. Did you say group. Matt Moore? Matt Moore. Okay. Most disrespected player. Disrespected player. Love that guy. Then the midfield, you have Shriver, who's two-handed, better than some people's strong hand. But their defense, they went with three close defensemen. Now they have Matt McMahon, friend of John Winchell. You Glenn Ridge guy, is finest. You know, Glenn Ridge guy. Um, but they went with three, now they went with three LSMs, 
where you have the savvy vet in Scotty Rogers, you have John Robbins, and then you have the next, the next coming of Michael Earhart in Jared Connors. Yeah. Now Jared Connors is six, four, six, five. He's got a great sticky transition and he can shoot the shit out of the ball. So, you know, Earhart was, you know, shooting two bombs and, and all the dudes from the bomb squad for the chaos. I think Jared Connors is going to have a breakout year this year. Um, he's, he's, he's probably going to be my, my pick to be maybe even steal that LSM of the year award. Maybe a little teaser for the people at home, teaser. but they went with four defensive midfielders and I think their question mark is going to be goalie and face off because every other team has the well-known names. Um, Gittleman's up there in age. Dobson's the young pup. Is now he's coming out of the Mac. He was supposed. He's supposed to be the next coming of Christ. So he's legit, dude. He's legit. I mean, the, you're not think, seeing shots. You're not seeing Manhattan. You're not seeing the Mac anymore. You're not playing Stinky Mammoth. You're playing like your first game. Welcome to the fucking league, kid. You're right, but he got he made it through camp. Like yeah, that we've seen, there are some goalies that got added for camp and didn't make it through camp. So he made it through camp. So he has to be at least that good. I think you know, like you said, the Mac is the Mac. They only get worse with the additions that they get with the conference realignments. But they, I would say, as a goalie, you know, maybe you got an extra two to three percentage points because you play in the Mac. But he was already he was already at like seventy percent all year. So he's a he's a legit player. He's going to play on Team Canada too. Like he's going to be good. I agree though. A lot of lot of unrecognizable names and not solidified, you know, weapons at the specialist position. So we'll see how it goes. I, I agree with you with the, with the offense, though. I agree with you with the offense. I think the fact that they have three long stick midfielders tells me that they're going to be getting out in transition, and it also tells me they're going to be lighting it up from behind the arc. So I think this is probably a game you take the over. I don't know if Archers covers the minus two and a half. I feel like a week one is perfect for an upset, and I'll probably yeah. take Chrome. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I think the uh, the biggest thing overall is, you know, if if the Chrome can kind of, you know, win the faceoffs off those, you know, off the scores and don't allow the Archers just to, you know, kind of play make it, take it, that's going to be an interesting game. But, like, I mean, that Archers, like, they're going to be up and down the field, like, wasting no time. Holes are going to be shooting. I'm sure all the S, I'm sure all the D mids had the green light to let it fly too. Um, but I think this is good. I think this is a good transition from the best college weekend into week one of the pro lacrosse. And it's gonna it's gonna be good. Um, it's up in Albany, which I wouldn't have my week one there. I, I would probably have week one in a in a more hotbed area than Albany, New York. No disrespect, the Dane train. Um, but who knows, maybe all those dudes that played at Albany just kind of have a coming out party with Fields and Reardon and the Thompson. Lyle. Yeah, yeah, Lyle. Maybe Lyle's like, I'm just gonna go for four and four today. But I think outside I, I think, that I think you're right though. Like when it comes to the when it comes to the fields, like it it's and we were talking about it earlier, the venues, like it's tough to it's it's tough to see the week one up in Albany, but like I'll give a shout out to my 2B brother-in-law who texted me this weekend. He's like, the the NCAA should have their games at Audi Field, New York Red Bulls Stadium, 
And there was one more that I can't think of, but it was another soccer stadium. And like those smaller venues that are meant for like a little bit smaller audience is better. Yeah. So make it, playing make in Albany, it, it might be tough because it's not a hotbed, but it's still like the stadium. It's going to be packed. The environment's going to be a little better. So I'm hoping for I'm hoping for a rowdy crowd up in Albany this weekend. Yeah, I think I think it's a nice little weekend. If you're in the area, it's definitely solid. And you know, with it being in the afternoon, if you got to drive two or three hours, you're going to get home in time where you don't feel too late. But next week, the games are, you know, Friday night, Saturday, kind of late night. And then, you know, and now we start getting into it where there's only three games a weekend or two. And so it's going to be interesting. So I'm glad, you know, all eight teams get to play. And I think overall, the biggest thing that we're going to be able to see is, do these really young players make an immediate impact? And are we going to start to see the trend of the guys who played a ton of MLL across few years in the PLL, how much longer do they have still in the league before this new wave kind of takes over and we get into a really rinse and repeat because in order to keep this game hot and growing, the shelf life might be starting to get a little bit quicker. Yeah, I agree. I think the shelf life needs to be a little shorter saw, for these guys. Saw you got Kyle Hartzell still on the team. Kyle Hartzell is still on the team. I think he yeah, was I mean, at the, the inception Red- of the MLL. Like He's the on. Redwoods LSM. Like He's the only one they have. Yeah. This year, we probably saw the most retirement, but last thing, but I thought it was funny. I saw this, like, it was a uh, it was like a video that popped up on YouTube when I was doing a little homework here. Book guy. And it was, like, Rob Pinnell and Steel Stanwick, like, test out older players' sticks. And it's, like, Pinnell's still playing. Stanwick, no one knows where he is. No one knows, like he coaches, I think, Hopkins women's, but like he hasn't played in oh, years. Doesn't. Like you play five or six years, window closes seven, eight, then you're gone. But because think about Brody Merrill being 40, sure, he can play, but there's probably a young defenseman that could take up a spot. And like that's, that's a debate for another time. I think this was a solid episode. Uh, we're going to tweet out the picks, of course. Um, I think we just each, you know, put in a little, maybe 50 or a hundred bucks this weekend in there, bet each game, keep track of it. And we'll just go from there. I think, I think we should get a counter going. We'll, we'll throughout the season, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll give ourselves a record, see what the deal is. I had a, I had a hot end to the NCAA tournament. I cashed out a good chunk of money that's going straight to our trip to Greece. Shout out to Evan and Yana coming for you. Yep. Um, but you know, I'm excited for this PLL season. I'm excited to be to be, you know, continuing our our gambling picks on the cross. You know, summer's a summer's a dark, the dog days of summer are usually filled with some meaningless baseball games, but I'm pumped that the, the lacrosse train continues on. And we got a we got some maybe some potential guests coming up. Um, we're gonna have Anthony Joe come on talking about the NLL finals coming up here. Um, I was DMing with my boy, Matthew Rambo. He's down to come on, talk a little whip snakes. I think it's only right. We get Eric Scott on to talk about the chaos eventually. I and hope so. you know, being, being on the other side of the fence now as a fan, how, how his retirement life going. Um, so we'll probably do that soon, but we're going to be able to figure out the downloading for the Apple podcast and Spotify. So please um, bear with us logo coming soon. Shout out to Emily Seidman and mm. you know, like the video. I don't care if you listen to it or played in the background at work. I'm just trying to grow this thing out a little bit. We appreciate you listening and supporting us. Um, for TJ 
and for Tad, it's just two ball guys talking across. We will see you guys next week for PLL week number two. Take care. Cheers.